This is the Author Archive podcast. I'm David Freeman. In this episode, I'm talking to American author Anne Patchett. She won the Orange Prize for Fiction for a novel called Bel Canto. Now, she lives in Nashville, the heart of country music, but Bel Canto is all about the power of opera. So, I started the conversation, the transatlantic conversation with Anne Patchett by simply asking her, well, are you an opera fan? Oh, yes. A huge opera fan. Although I wasn't before I wrote the book. I I became an opera fan uh, to write this book. So, during the writing, did you kind of talk yourself into it? Well, it wasn't that I talked myself into it, but when I decided that I was going to have a main character who was an opera singer, for the first time in my life, I started listening to opera and attending the opera and flying to different places to go to the opera, and I just fell in love with it. What is I don't it? know where I've been all these years. <laughs> what is it about the opera? Because several of the characters in the book explain what opera does to them, and the power of the operatic voice is central to the plot. So mm-hmm. what did it do to you as Anne Patchett? You know, I think what it is is I discovered that opera really is the greatest art form because it is music, it is drama, it is literature, it is design, it is costume, it is dance. Uh, it, it's it's everything. For two to four hours, you really have a complete artistic experience. Uh, it's, it's a gorgeous, powerful form. It's almost dangerously so uh, at its best. It's, and and you, have, you have a priest uh, at one point. Um, uh, a chap goes to confession, also a Catholic, obviously, and says, you know, I, I think I'm guilty because I love the opera. And, but he says, it's fine. Um, art is always all right. It might not be good, but it's never sinful. And he says, well, what about the words? And you say, uh, well, you have your character say, don't forget about the words. It's really just the music. It is the music that that means most. But it, it's it's the cocktail, isn't it? It is absolutely. Uh, I and um, and I wonder if a priest would really say that. But in a novel, of course, a priest can say anything you want them to say. <laughs> yeah. But it is the combination, and of course. Being an English speaker, I miss a lot of the words in opera, no matter how carefully I read my libretto. So my experience is not going to be the same as uh, an Italian experience. Yeah, Do you speak Italian or are you learning Italian? I, I, I speak a mean hotel and restaurant <laughs> Italian. I can get a room and a pizza anywhere in Italy. <laughs> Fine. It's a start. <laughs> this book, does it have its birth in a real event? Yes, it does. It was very loosely based on the 1996 takeover of the Japanese embassy in Lima, Peru, by the Tupac Amuro group. And um, I was very interested in it while it was unfolding on the news. They let all of the women go. They let most of the hostages go. And then they kept a core group for about four months. And it seemed to me to be an especially unterrifying terrorist situation. Um, Apparently, most of the Terrorists were teenagers, and uh, there was a lot of soccer and ordering out for pizza and chess, and um, it was a pretty low-key event for kidnapping. Okay, what was it that made the uh, the novelist part of your soul go, "Wow, this is for me!" Dingling, dingling, dingling. <laughs> because even though all four of my books are very different, 
in a way, there is a strong central theme, which is a group of people are thrown together by some sort of circumstance and form a family or a society, a community. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. So um, when I saw this in the news, I really recognized it as one of my own novels. My first book is is a set in a home for unwed mothers, which is actually the same sort of thing, if you think about it. A bunch of girls come from all over the country. They're stuck out in this great big house in the middle of the nowhere, and they wait for nine months to have a baby. It, it's a very similar thing, it, which is all based on the Magic Mountain, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, I was just thinking that's what Ad, uh, Agatha Christie might have said when she said exactly. murder on the Orient Express. That kind right, of thing. or Ten Little Indians. Um, but uh, I was obsessed with the Magic Mountain, Thomas Mann, when I was young, and uh, basically send all of your characters up to the tuberculosis sanatorium for a couple of years and make them lie down in fur sleeping bags and just wait and see what happens. See what happens. At right. the beginning of the book, it's it's a birthday party. And but it, it's kind of not a birthday party, but it's an excuse. And, right. Um, and this guy, I think he's 53, which he thinks of as not being a particularly um, memorable number. But he's come a long way. Who is he? Um, Mr. Hosokawa is the head of a mythical Japanese electric corporation that is based on Sony. And um, he's a, a great entrepreneur, a great CEO, has built up this huge industry. And his only release from work, his only real passion in life is opera. So this nameless South American country wants him to come down to build a factory. He's not interested. He keeps declining the offer. And finally, they said, we will import your favorite opera star. So she is the bait on the hook. And he has no intention of giving them what they want in terms of the factory, but he decides he will take the free gift of the opportunity to see the opera star. And she's called? Roxanne Koss. And why does Roxanne go to this place, this unnamed third world South American country? Cash. The, <laughs> the great motivator of art. Uh, it's just... It, it's just a huge amount of money, and I've actually thought that I was making that up, that that was something that would never happen in real life. And I have since talked to opera stars and some really big opera stars who have said, oh, no, that happens all the time, that somebody will pay you a really obscene amount of money to fly in and sing for an hour and fly out, and people do it. And the president of this country is supposed to show up. Now, is this improbable? what this president decides to do instead. It's not improbable. And uh, this book is about 98% fiction. But when I was doing my research on Peru and Fujimori, Fujimori was obsessed with soap operas. And that's where I, I got that from. He would not take any meetings under any circumstances if they happened during the hour that his soap opera was on. So um, that was the inspiration for that. So he's meant to come to this party. He doesn't show up because he wants to see if I forgot what the character is called, but wants to see if she Maria. gets out. Maria, see the if story she, of Maria. See if she gets out or not. Right. Um, but there are factions around who ha who haven't clocked on to the fact he's not going to be there. Oh, exactly, because they go back and forth. He finally agrees. He he hates to tape. He hates the VCR. And at the last minute, even though he's promised to come, he reneges and stays home to watch television. So, so the people who have come to kidnap him are, are woefully disappointed. But it's, it's a wonderful evening. 
The singer sings, she sings magnificently. She does that magic trick that David Copperfield can only dream about. <laughs> she boggles the souls of all that's yes. there. And there's tumultuous applause. And then what? Uh, and then the party is taken over. The terrorists burst in through the air conditioning vents and the world's turned upside down. Uh, they seem quite fierce at the beginning and quite dangerous, which we later find out they they really aren't either. Um, and all of a the sudden they are completely controlled. Their lives are given over to these terrorists. And, I mean, that's kind of where the story really starts, isn't it? Right. It's, but fortunately, that's on like page five or something. So it starts pretty quickly. Oh, yes. No, no, no. Oh, it's a great opening. It's, 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 <laughs> I wasn't denigrating your story. No, no, no. But, but, you know, that, that's what, as a, a former fiction teacher, that's what I always used to tell my students. This is where the story really starts. You know, start here on page 18. <laughs> because it really, you know, you think this is going to be a novel about hate, but in fact, it turns out to and the things that divide us, and it turns out to be a novel about love and the things that we all have in common. Exactly, I do believe that people are inherently good if if left to good circumstances, and these are a group of people from very very different backgrounds who are all removed from the circumstances of their life, and the only common denominator they have is music. They don't have a common language. But I think that in those circumstances, the music brings out what's good in all of them. Is the power of the voice different? Because um, at, at one scene, there's a, there's, a, there's a guy that's incarcerated. They have a good piano. And yes. um, he can sit and he plays sati and it is beautiful. But it is not the same as this woman standing up there and riveting the molecules of the atmosphere. It's true. And I've thought about that. People have said, well, what if there was just a beautiful pianist there at the party and no singer? Would, would the piano music be enough to unite these people? And I don't know that it would be. There is something about voice as an instrument that is so powerful um, and paralyzing, I think, that so, it would be the thing that could set the party in motion. Uh, I mean... Is all art, including yours, a conspiracy between the producer and the consumer? Um, because she is the almost the ultimate producer. I mean, Jimi Hendrix used to do that to me, but I can understand um, how your operatic star could have the same the same sort of power. It's a different thing, but in in a, in a way, it's the same thing. I completely agree with you. I do think it's a conspiracy. Um, I believe that. Literature takes place somewhere in between the writer and the reader, and, and that's what makes it art. Commercial fiction is something where everything is provided for you. It's like going on a really great car ride, and you just get in the back seat, and you're taken someplace. But I think that when you read a really good book, you have to participate. You have to bring your imagination, your intelligence to it, bring 50%. And I think that whenever you're experiencing art if you're looking at a painting if you're listening to a singer um at the highest level you should be bringing half of it yourself so that art is truly different for everyone who is observing it that's american author anne patchett talking to me about her book bel canto which won the orange prize for fiction 
I'm David Freeman. This is the Author Archive Podcast. <laughs>